uh, that you guys would choose to be here. Thank you for choosing to be here, uh, as opposed to the Trump rally going on in uh, Washington Township right now. Um, and uh, we want to welcome those joining us online as well. Um, you guys got an extra hour. Those online got an extra hour and a half because uh, they're in their PJs still. But um, I'm really excited to uh, finish up our Dawn is Coming series. Um, we've been in this for a few weeks, and uh, really excited to finish that today. And I uh, can't wait to share with you what I'm going to share. So um, if you guys have a Bible with you, uh, go ahead and grab that. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, grab one in the seat in front of you. Uh, we're going to open up to the book of 1 Peter. And um, if you don't have a Bible, you can take the one that's in front of you. That is our gift to you. We'd love for you to have that. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, um, you can look in the table of contents. It's toward the back, probably the back quarter of the Bible. Um, it's right before 2 Peter, so you're welcome. <laughs> so <laughs> if you find 2 Peter, you're close. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to be able to uh, share God's word with you guys this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, the basic summary of the book of 1 Peter uh, that we've been talking about the last couple weeks, uh, Peter is very clear with us. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it. Uh, he's speaking to first century Christians. Peter says, hey, just so you guys know, uh, things are really hard right now. And they're going to get harder, uh, but take heart, there is joy ahead. Uh, one of the ways that I've been phrasing it for myself, it just kind of like some mental coaching for myself um, to encourage my own faith, is that this statement is true, that in Jesus, our future is always better than our past. Do you believe that? I believe it's true, right? That in Jesus, our future is always better than our past. It doesn't matter how bad things get, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if heaven is your home and your, de your destination, the future is always better than the past. We always have that to look forward to. Um, what I'm excited to talk about today is the topic of worry. And I'm sure none of us have had any struggles with worry this year. It's been a really pretty easy year. Uh, but I'm really excited to be able to kind of dive into this the first couple verses of chapter 5, and uh, we'll talk about that topic. So what do you do with worry is the question for today. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed with worry? So uh, grab your Bibles, First Peter chapter 5, um, starting in verse 1. And uh, we're going to read um, a few verses, and I am going to invite you guys to stand. It's a little cold in here anyway. Go ahead and stand, get the blood flowing. We're going to... Um, stand in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 11. It will also be on the screen for you as well. So, Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to the Christians, the churches in the first century, 2,000 years ago, he says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Think about that. He witnessed the suffering of Jesus on the cross who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, anybody have a guess who the chief shepherd is? Answer Jesus. Yeah, in church, 99% of the time, answer Jesus for the question, 
When the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings that you are. And the God of all grace, who calls you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you suffer a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the glory, sorry, to him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we ask in the next few minutes you would uh, shine a light on these verses and on our own lives and our own hearts. Uh, help us to be willing to receive, God. We, we uh, want you to speak to us. Uh, that's why we're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, I was 29 years old, and my wife and I uh, were, I was pastoring at a church in LaGrange, Indiana. If you know where LaGrange, Indiana is, uh, I would be impressed. It's in north, northeast, never eat soggy weeds, okay, northeast Indiana, and um, it's a small country town, 3,000 people, Amish country. I was pastoring a little church there, and my wife and I began to feel a stirring in our hearts that God had something next for us to do. And so I began talking with those, you know, in my life that helped guide me. And um, my dad said, have you ever thought about church planting, which has nothing to do with the ground and putting things in the ground, planting, but uh, it was starting a new church. And so we prayed about it and continued to, to seek God on that. And eventually that led us to moving back up to Michigan um, to start Evident Church. We moved up here in 2007. The church started in 2008. In 2007, my wife and I had been married for about five years, and we had a three-month-old little girl named Ava Ray, and we were leaving something that was comfortable and known to go to something that was uncomfortable and completely unknown. So as a 29-year-old dad of, you know, three-month-old, uh, I, was, I was scared out of my mind. It was, it was exciting. It was like a uh, church planting is like a roller coaster ride. It's the highest of highs. Like, yay, look what God just did. And the lowest of lows, like, this is never going to work. It's like, it's just that kind of thing. And so uh, lots of pressure, lots of weight uh, that I was feeling in that season. So we move up to Michigan. We begin, um, you know, praying that God will provide a team to start the church. And uh, God does amazing things. But I was learning what it meant to have real stress and real pressure um, in my life. What's um, common for church planters, I found out. <laughs> so, okay, so when you have stress and pressure, your, your body begins to exhibit signs of that in physical ways. You know what I'm talking about? When you internalize worry, stress, anxiety, it begins to show up uh, physically in your body. So I, div I started to develop an eye twitch. And so for a season, uh, I had this uncontrollable uh, twitching eye. And you, you wouldn't be able to know it if you were talking there to me, but I could feel the muscle in my eye 
He's like twitching. I talked to other church planters, and that's a common thing among, among church planters. <laughs> it's, like the, like, it's like the devil's like, here you go, I twitch. Just go, you know. Um, <clears throat> another season um, of my life, uh, I began feeling some really, really heavy uh, chest pains. Um, you know, whether it was some shortness of breath or whatever it was, I was fairly healthy physically. Um, I just had these chest pains that were that just painful, you know. And um, so I, my wife, you know, is obviously very wise. She's like, you need to go get this checked out. <laughs> and so I eventually go get it checked out. I get an EKG, and the heart's fine, and everything's functioning fine. There wasn't anything wrong with me physically, but it was stress-induced, stress-related um, chest pains. And eventually, over time, it went away. Um, I've had seasons um, in my life as a pastor where I had trouble sleeping at night. I uh, would wake up, you know, crazy hours or not be able to go to sleep or uh, especially t- sometimes uh, Saturday evenings um, when you guys are up watching Michigan lose to Michigan State, although that was, in, that was in the middle of the day. Oh, so sad. Oh, my goodness. But um, when you guys are watching college football, uh, I'm, I'm at home just going, oh, man, what am I going to talk about tomorrow? Like, I have my message ready. Like, don't, that's not the wrong, I don't get the wrong impression. But it's like you feel the weight of what, I, I feel the weight of what I'm about to do. And I love preaching, but there's a weight to it because uh, people's lives hang in the balance. And obviously it's God, but at the same time, I want to do my best. And so there's the weight of that. Um, there's, a, there's a time at age 32, kind of all the pressure, all these things uh, leading up. I was burning the candle at both ends that led to an unplanned sabbatical. Now, not an unplanned pregnancy. Some couples have unplanned pregnancies. It was an unplanned, what we call a sabbatical, where it's just like I hit a wall and I just could not continue on any longer. The worry, the anxi- anxiety, the stress, the pressure, um, I couldn't handle it. So what do you do with that, right? What do you do with the worry, the stress, the anxiety? And what I have found is that as you get older, uh, it doesn't, the pressure doesn't get less. It probably gets more. But what you do is that you, God can teach you more how to handle that, and how to carry that differently. And that's what I feel like God has done um, in my life. He's taught me so much about him and about myself and about the pace that he wants me to live life at. And what I love about this issue is I really believe that Jesus gets it. I love this verse in Matthew 26, verse 38. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? Jesus expressing, like he just feels the weight. This is prior to him going to the cross. He just feels the weight of what he is going to do, and it's overwhelming to him. That's comforting to me that, that he understands. And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. It's like, oh, it's easier said than done, Jesus. Uh, what you'll eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear, isn't life more important than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, I believe that instead of being made to worry, God has made us to worship. And I came across this quote. It kind of re- it resonates with me um, by Dr. E. Stanley Jones. Let me read this paragraph to you. I love this. He said, I am inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. He says, fear is not my native land. Faith is. I am so mad, I'm sorry, I'm so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Faith is the oil. 
I live better by faith and confidence than by fear, doubt, and anxiety. In anxiety and worry, my being is gasping for breath. These are not my native air, but in faith and confidence I breathe freely. These are my native air. He goes on to cite um, a study done by Johns Hopkins. There's a Johns Hopkins University doctor who said, we don't know why it is that worriers die sooner than non-worriers, but that is a fact. Did you guys know that? That worriers die sooner than non-worriers? Just worry about that for a little while. Okay. (laughs) All right. He goes on to say, uh, but I, who am simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed, nerve and tissue, brain cell and soul, for faith and not fear. God made us that way. To live by worry is to live against reality. And I I love that. I agree with that. That God made us to live by faith and not fear. Um, These verses that we just read from 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter puts a couple verses in the middle. I just want to remind us of these. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. I kind of get the impression or the picture of like a dad um, uh, giving discipline to a child. The child's like squirming, like not excited about the discipline, but dad's like, just, just, just sit there for a minute. Um, and then he says, but I will lift you up in due time. That the trials that we go through, the things that we worry about, I believe that God is saying, you know what, this is not fun right now, but hold on. Stay strong. And then he says, cast your cares on me because I care for you. All right, so what I want to do um, the next few minutes, is I want to walk through this passage. And Peter shows us uh, four different things. You know it's spiritual because they all start with the letter P, all right? So alliteration is from the Holy Spirit. Um, but it's amazing as you walk through the passage and see what he addresses, um, how this speaks to this idea of worry. So number one, Um, God gives us spiritual protection. God gives us spiritual protection. The first five verses, Peter begins by addressing elders. Uh, In the Bible, the word elder um, doesn't always mean old person. Sometimes it does. But the term elder is actually a, a leadership position in the church. Uh, The word elder, the word bishop, the word overseer, and even the word pastor are all interchangeable in the Bible. Um, It's the same Greek word behind all of those words. So if you guys want to call me Bishop Hostler, you're welcome to do that. (laughs) I'm kidding. Don't call me Bishop. Um, But all those are the same. And what God has done is that God has has called uh, men to be in the role of elder to give spiritual leadership and oversight, first in their homes, and then next, in the body of Christ, in the family of believers. And so what he's saying is that, that God has placed spiritual leaders in your life as a protection for you. He calls them shepherds. You are to shepherd the flock of God um, with, with an eagerness to serve, right? And um, uh, what, I, <clears throat> what I find so interesting right now in our culture I'm just going to speak from my own perspective as a guy, because that's all I can speak from at this point. Um, I think what's happening in culture uh, is extremely confusing for men. I think that we don't know what to do with our masculinity. If If you're purely looking at what culture is saying, 
there's not a lot of guidance being given to men and young men right now about what their life's, their life's aim should be. Does this make sense? And while we may, may feel a little bit uncomfortable with some of the Bible's uh, teaching on um, male leadership or spiritual leadership, we can't ignore the principles that God has placed in Scripture for us. And I believe that God calls us as men to rise up as spiritual leaders in this world. Um, I can remember as a young person growing up in church, and I had um, men like in junior high and high school um, who would speak into my life, and they would, they would um, encourage me. They would say, Josh, we know that you're going to do great things for God. You know, we know that um, there's more in you than what, you're, than what you're living out right now. And I just want to do this for the men I want to I challenge you to rise up to the calling that God, God has on your life to be a spiritual leader. It may be uncomfortable. Uh, you may not know what that means or what that looks like, but God calls us as men to be protectors um, over our families and over uh, groups of churches and Christians. Does this make sense? He says, shepherds, he says, I want you to... to be willing to serve as a shepherd. Did you call me bishop? She did. <laughs> I didn't catch it. All right. Yes. Yes, bishop. All right. So what happens is when we are a part of a local church, we are also being blessed with spiritual protection that comes along with being a part of that family of believers. That's how God has designed things. It's for our good. It's for his glory. Uh, the analogy that I would use is I grew up uh, the youngest of four siblings. I have two older brothers and an older sister. And uh, we fought like normal siblings, right? We would pick on each other. We would do those kinds of things. But if someone else outside of the family picked on one of us, what happens? Yeah, you all come together. And so if somebody was picking on me, the baby of the family, like I know that I have two older brothers and older sisters who are by my side, like there to protect me. Um, when you and I are a part of a church family like this, we are a part of that, that spiritual protection that God has placed for us. I don't think we talk enough about the importance of being a part of a local church. Um, when you come to church, uh, you think that you come because uh, the worship's great, which it is. You think you come because of the, the worship, uh, because of the preaching is okay. Like that's a part of the, the benefit, uh, the kids ministry. But all those things aside, one of the other benefits of being a part of a local church is the spiritual protection that it provides. When there are godly leaders seeking to protect our doctrine and keeping us uh, following God, that is a blessing. So when you face worry and fear, don't face it on your own. Uh, you've got some siblings that you need to call to get involved in that with you. <clears throat> so God's given you spiritual protection. He addresses elders. He says elders must lead um, with humility. Then number two, the next couple of verses, uh, he gives us a place to put our problems. So he gives us some direction about what to do with our problems. If you look at verses uh, six through nine, uh, he says, I want you to cast your cares on God. He talks about the enemy roaring, uh, prowling around like a roaring lion. And then and we sang about, about God being a lion. Um, the Bible describes that, that the enemy is sneaky, that he, uh, he doesn't play by the rules. And he tells us two things. Peter tells us two things. He says, I want you to be alert, and I want you to be sober-minded. So I was driving a few years ago, um, and I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. Th like saying that, that statement in the same sentence, that's, that's horrible, right? 
I was driving a vehicle and not paying attention to what I was doing. Uh, I may have been distracted by a mobile device. I have repented, uh, and I'm sure none of you have ever done that. Stop looking at me with judging eyes. But So I was pulling up to an intersection, and somebody was next to me, and uh, uh, I was getting ready to pull, to pull away, and that person honked at me. And uh, I couldn't figure out why they honked at me, except that they noticed that I wasn't paying attention, and they wanted to, they basically, you know, confronted me for a, a minute. Like, hey, pay attention, buddy. You know, and it wasn't like the guy, like, in front of you that, that doesn't pay attention that you honked to have them go. It was like, hey, you shouldn't be staring at your phone. At first, I was frustrated with them. But then I felt God's conviction. I was like, oh, yes, I deserve that. <laughs> I shouldn't be staring at my phone, right? Um, I was not alert. So Peter says that you have to be alert. You have to be paying attention. And then he used another phrase. He said sober-minded. Sober-minded. It's actually a phrase that Peter uses several times in this book. I'll give you those references. Uh, they'll be on the screen. 1 Peter 1.13, with minds that are, what does it say? Alert and fully sober. Set your hope on the grace that we brought to you in Jesus Christ is revealed. Number and the second one, 1 Peter 4, 7 says, Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. So we know what it means for someone to be physically sober. It means that they're not intoxicated, meaning they're not under the what? Under the, under the influence. Think about that phrase for a second. When someone is drunk, they are being influenced by something other than their own rational cognitive mind and they are certainly not being controlled by the spirit of god i think it's one of the reasons the bible is clear alcohol is not bad but drunkenness is because there's no way that we're being controlled by the spirit of god if we're under the influence of a chemical or something like that um so the same thing is true mentally to be sober-minded means that we don't allow our thought life to be captivated by any type of influence that would lead us away from godly, sound judgment. And so what Peter says is he says, cast your cares on God because he cares for you. Be alert, be of sober mind, be aware that you have an enemy that's seeking to devour you. Cast your cares on God. If we're honest, often what happens is we take our cares and we just try to cast them aside. Um, I, the imagery that comes to my mind, I'm not sure why, maybe it's because I have three daughters, but uh, the movie Peter Pan, great, great classic Peter Pan. What is Peter Pan trying to get away from in the movie? You guys remember? Well, okay, there's lots of things. It's, it's a very deep <laughs> movie, yeah, yeah. I've got one thing specifically, let me just tell you, okay. Uh, his shadow, you guys remember that part? He's trying to get, get away from his shadow. I'm, I'm not as deep as some of you, getting away from his, yeah, I'm not, I'm not as deep, but He's trying to get away from his shadow, right? He keeps trying to distance himself from his shadow, and that's not going to work. You can't do that, right? So taking our cares and worries and just trying to cast them aside or ignore them. See, people will oftentimes use drugs or alcohol, or we could even say Netflix or distracting ourselves to try to just forget about the problems, and that does nothing to fix the problems. See, there's a huge difference. Um, Peter doesn't just say, cast aside your problems. He says, cast them on God. There's a huge difference. There's a big difference. One is just trying to ignore them. The other is giving them to the one who can calm our fears and do something about our problems. 
I was reading a devotional book to my kids a few weeks ago, and it told a story about a pastor who was interacting with a lady who was uh, just very discouraged and, and sad all the time. And so he's given her some advice. He said, I want you to pray a five-word prayer every single day for the next, uh, the next week, and then uh, we'll talk again. So the prayer was this. He said, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray, O oh Lord, show me myself. So she prayed that prayer every day for a week. O oh Lord, show me myself. He saw her in a week, and she was worse off than when they started a week before. <laughs> because as she prayed, um, she, God revealed to her the different sins in her life and the different you know, ways that she fell short in life. And then the, the pastor said, okay, now I want you to pray this prayer every single day, and you can pray this for the rest of your life. Now I want you to pray, oh Lord, show me yourself. Oh Lord, show me yourself. He met her a few years later, and she was a woman full of joy, right? And the thought never occurred to me until I read that story that some people don't know, to, don't, don't know what to do with their sin. Some people want to try to ignore their sin, or they want to try to cast it aside, and it's like your shadow. You can never get rid of it or distance yourself from it. That's the part, oh Lord, show me, like to have our sin revealed is, is a difficult thing to bear, but then to see God in light of that, to know that God has provided a way that we don't have to just cast our sin aside, but we can cast our sin on God. Does this make sense? That we can take it to God he gives us a place to put our problems. We're supposed to cast our problems onto God and say, God, this is yours now. Uh, I like this story. Uh, one family described their, what they do to live out this principle. They said to act out the principle of turning our worries over to God, we actually took a paper bag and we wrote God on it and taped it high on the back of our kitchen door. And as they came across things that they found themselves worrying about, they would write it on a piece of paper and they would stick it into that bag, representing that they were giving that care to God. Isn't that a cool idea? Uh, the guy said, I hate to admit how many times, and, and here's the deal, if they began to worry about it again, they actually had to climb up on a chair and fish in the bag <laughs> and pull it back out <laughs> until they were ready to give it back to God and to leave it in his hands. He said, I don't want to admit how many times I was rummaging through there trying to find <laughs> what I was worrying about. So God gives us a place to put our problems. Number three, uh, God gives us perspective. So he reminds the churches that he's writing to that there are other people around the world who are also suffering for their faith, and life is pretty rough for them. Uh, this, is the, uh, this is the first century equivalent of your mom when you didn't finish the food on your plate uh, when you say, uh, when you say, I'm done, she's like, well, there's starving kids in the world. And you say, well, then let's send it to them, right? And then, and then, then you, you get the firm right hand of discipline. Uh, that's a little bit what Peter's doing. He's saying, hey, I know that your suffering's really bad, but just so you're aware, you're not the only one suffering right now. Just so you're aware, your other, there's brothers and sisters that you have around the world who are brothers and sisters in Jesus, they're suffering as well. Um, today um, is a number of things. Today is All Saints Day, day after Halloween. Uh, today is also something um, known as the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. 
Did you guys not see the CNN article about that one? No, me neither. Okay, all right. <laughs> you didn't see that announced on Fox News or anywhere else. Uh, but today begins a month where we're encouraged to pray for Christians around the world who are being persecuted for their faith. We don't know about these things, but it's happening. And so I thought it would be worthwhile uh, for us to hear one of those stories and uh, just take a few minutes to watch this video. My name is Jeanette. I am a Christian and I love Jesus with all my heart. I love my children and I love the people of my country, the Central African Republic. There are both Christians and Muslims in my country and we lived as neighbors as I worked to reach them for Christ. But my hope for a peaceful life didn't last. Our village was ambushed by the Islamist attackers. Guns started firing and we started running as fast as we could into the bush. All the Christians in my village were killed or driven into hiding. I fled with my children. We didn't even have time to put on our shoes or clothes. Attacks like these have been targeting Christians in the Central African Republic for eight years and continue today. Churches and missionary stations that have been built over decades have been destroyed along with Christians' homes that have been burnt to the ground. In one area, the only structures that remained were the metal roofs of two churches. Thousands of Christians have spent years in makeshift temporary shelters far from their homes as the violence and instability continues. Delivering desperately needed help to displaced Christians often means overcoming impassable roads, using cargo planes, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, and even canoes. With God's help, supplies are making it to Christians scattered throughout various camps. Today, Jeanette and more than 30,000 Christians in the Central African Republic have been driven from their homes all because of their faithfulness in maintaining a witness for Christ in majority Muslim areas in the face of severe Islamist violence. These courageous believers, our Christian brothers and sisters in the Central African Republic, have shown God's love and forgiveness to their persecutors. They continue to faithfully follow the Lord and trust Him to meet their needs. amazing, isn't it? Uh, this is something that's still happening today, and I think what Peter is saying is that surely um, if others are enduring in faith with what they're going through, 
you can endure what you're going through with faith, right? Um, it's actually really cool. You can go onto their website. Um, you can just search for uh, Voice of the Martyrs. You can find their website, and they actually have a way where you can adopt uh, to pray for, for people in these parts of the world. You can pray for them and, and get to know them a little bit. Um, that'd be something that would be great for you to do. So remember your own suffering and trials in light of others and be encouraged by the faith of others who are also suffering with enduring faith. So it's perspective, isn't it? Number four, then the, I love how it ends. God gives us a promise. Um, I want to look at these, those verses again, verses 10 and 11. Just dripping with uh, just purpose and meaning. And Peter says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory, says, After you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Those all sound pretty, pretty cool, don't they? For God to restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What a great message for 2020. And then he says, to him be power forever and ever. Amen. Uh, there's this little thing coming up on Tuesday. Anybody know what's coming up on Tuesday? <laughs> Super Bowl. Super Bowl, yeah. Um, you know what? The encouraging thing is to know that God is in control. That the, the Bible says that, that God holds the heart of the king, fill in whatever world leader you want to in there. God holds the heart of the king in his hands. That God, um, like, like chess pieces on a chessboard, um, God is able to move um, the systems of this world for his purposes and for his glory. God is in control. Uh, we are citizens of heaven. Um, last week, uh, Nate Tunison gave a great message, and he told a story at the end about his oldest boy, Zachary, and how they were uh, exploring the woods, and they found this abandoned railroad track, and how the, the steepness of it was a little too much for Zachary, but Nate kind of would step and then hold Zachary's hand and then help, and Zachary would step where Nate stepped. And, um, and what, Nate, what Zachary couldn't do, uh, Nathan could help him do. And I love that image. I think that's what, what God is doing, the same thing for us, right? That God is directing us and guiding us and, uh, and strengthening us. I want to close with this last uh, story, and actually the worship team can come up at this point. Uh, I've told this story before. This is one of my favorite stories of how God has spoken to me and encouraged me. God can use the craziest things uh, to encourage you. So about two years ago, we moved into this space, and uh, we're all excited about it. It seemed like it took forever uh, for construction to begin, um, but you know that construction has started when the porta johns show up on the job site. And so I pulled in the parking lot one day, and I saw this like bright pink Porta John. <laughs> they didn't want anybody to steal it, probably. I guess I don't know what. I don't. But it's bright pink, and the Porta John, because uh, the bathrooms in here were working. I was I was kind of freaking out because uh, just was all new, a lot of pressure, and I was frustrated about some things. And I I kind of came. No one was working here yet. There's a lot of drywall dust and just the middle of construction, and um, uh, I just kind of walking around praying and just, you know, venting to God and just expressing my frustrations, my worries, my fears. And before I came into the building, I had to use the restroom, and so I took the, the trip to Porta John. It was a wonderful experience, right? Uh, Porta John is everyone, like, high on the list. Um, uh, thankfully, I could take care of business standing up, so things were great, but as I was standing there going to the bathroom, you're welcome, 
uh, as I was standing there, I looked on the back of the Porta John wall, and someone, either to make fun or to make a joke, I have no idea, they scr- scratched on the back of the Porta John, give it to God, and they had an arrow pointing down to the hole. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, ha, ha, ha. And then I walk in, I'm kind of, you know, venting to God, like, oh, I just, how's this going to work, and what are you going to do? And I finally get back in my car, and my car is facing the building, and I look over and I see the Porta John again, and it just, it dawned on me, like it occurred to me, like God was speaking to me. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, God's saying, give it to me, trust me. And the same thing is true. Uh, Peter said, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, cast your cares on God today. I want to ask you guys to stand with me, and we're gonna, I'm going to read a few verses from the very beginning of 1 Peter, and we'll close. This is how Peter begins his letter. He says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Hold steady, there's joy ahead. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for the way that you encourage us, the way that you speak to us. And so I'm trusting that as I'm sharing your word, you're doing the same thing with each heart um, in this room and also online. You are a good God. You're full of grace. Strengthen us. Help us to take our worries and cast them on you uh, because you care for us. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.